G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Have you ever made one too many mistakes? You know, you get to a point and you think, wow, that must be it. God must be done with me. But Abraham was a man of faith who made plenty of mistakes along the way, yet God seemed to overlook, even compensate for them. Why was that? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're kicking off a new series of messages called Defining Moments because in the middle of the ordinary, the mundane, the unfair even, right in the middle of life, so often God's defining moments appear seemingly small and insignificant things that change the course of our lives. And it's so easy to miss them. So let's head into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free booklet called Turning Mistakes into Miracles. I'd love to send you a free copy to help you lay hold of God's defining moments in your life. As we travel through life, we all kind of experience these moments and often they're seemingly insignificant events that in fact turn out to change the whole course of our lives. It's amazing when you think about it. We all have a plan for our lives, but there are things just around the next corner or just over the next rise that can change everything. Good things and bad things. Happy things and sad things. Some people think, well, it's all a matter of chance. Well, I don't believe in chance. I remember a brochure that changed my life. I was attending a little church, I'd not long become a Christian, and it was a Sunday service like every other Sunday. At the end of the service, I walked to the back of the little church and I saw a brochure for a particular Bible college, Tabor College in Sydney. It wasn't a particularly attractive brochure or, or, or a well-designed brochure. I picked it up and that was a defining moment. I took it home, I read about this ministry degree, I prayed, and I felt this incredibly strong tug in my heart. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, there's no way, you know, Bernie, you, you've been a Christian for five minutes. But in my heart, I knew. So I rang them, I, I applied, I went to see the principal, I felt like such a fraud. They're never going to accept me. They did. And there I learned so much. But also, by chance, again, I came into contact with my predecessor in this ministry, the former CEO of Christianity Works. And one thing led to another, and today... I'm doing what I'm doing because I picked up that little brochure at the back of the church. Now, I had no idea that morning that something would happen that would change the course of my life. This week we're starting a new series on Christianity Works. It's called Defining Moments. It's really exciting. I want to look at this from a different perspective, from God's perspective. See, when we look back on our lives, most of us can pick three or four, maybe half a dozen defining moments, those little things that seem to change the whole course of our lives. Now, sure, we can see them from our natural human perspective. After all, we're people, we're human. 
But if we do that, I, I think we miss the point. I want to look at some defining moments of the lives of four people in the Bible, Abraham, Joseph, David and Josiah, over the next four weeks. And we're starting today with Abraham. I want to see if we can discover how God reaches into our lives with miracles, great and small, to define the very course of our lives. Because God does have a plan. Psalm 139, verse 16, says, Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them has yet existed. And when we at least expect it, and even despite what you and I do or fail to do, his plan is worked out through his grace for his glory. God brings those defining moments. Let's start with Abraham, the man with whom God's engagement of his chosen people began. He was living comfortably in a place called Ur, U-R, east of Israel. Of course, Israel didn't exist back then. Ur was the land of the Chaldeans. Later it was called Babylon. It's just south of modern-day Baghdad. And he travelled with his father up to Haran, and then God called him to leave his comfort and follow this really crazy, absolutely incredulous promise. Let's pick it up. If you've got a Bible, grab it. Open it up at Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at the story of Abraham. It's too much to look at it all in one program, but we're going to have a look at part of his story. Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75 years old, he and Sarai his wife, and they were childless. You see, you've got to remember, in the Old Testament, blessing, God's blessing, you knew you had it if you had lots of land and lots of children. They had neither. So they didn't have God's blessing on their lives. Now, the word Abram means exalted father. So even his name was a joke. But still he went. Off into the never-never, based on what? Some intangible, crazy call from God? Remember, Abram had no Bible, he had no scriptures to reveal who God was, he had no church tradition or Jewish tradition, nothing like that. All the other nations had their gods, idols, they worshipped them, they, they believed all sorts of weird and wonderful things. But Abram put his faith, he put his whole life and all his possessions in this God who came up with this incredulous promise. How did God say this to Abraham? Through an audible voice, a dream, a vision, a whisper of the Spirit in his heart? We don't know. But he just heard the call, and he trusted in the promises of God, and off he went into the blue yonder. Now, God's plan, I remember, is to bless Abram with land and children. Impossible, of course. This is fantasy, not faith. It could never happen. And then begins Abraham's comedy of errors. It's pretty tragic, actually. We don't have time to look at them all today, but we're going to look at some of them. It's a journey where Abram and Sarai, his wife, made plenty of mistakes along the way. Take Lot, for instance, his nephew. If you look at Genesis chapter 12 again, did God tell Abraham to take Lot with him? Not at all. It was Abraham's idea. No doubt, this was plan B for Abram. Well, if God doesn't come through on this promise of a son, at least I'll have a relative to be my heir. And Lot... Lot causes him all sorts of grief. Let's have a look. 
Genesis chapter 13, verse 5. Now Lot, who went with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land couldn't support both of them living together. For their possessions were so great that they could not live together, and there was strife between the herders of Abraham's stock and the herders of Lot's stock. At that time the Canaanites and the Perizzites lived in the land. Then Abraham said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, between your herders and my herders, for we're kindred. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then then I'll go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I'll go to the left. Lot looked about him and saw the plain of the Jordan that was well watered everywhere like this garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward, thus he separated from Abraham. Gee, plan B worked really well, Abraham, didn't it? Obviously, God didn't know what he was promising Abraham and needed a backup. And look how it turned out. Strife, separation, and then Abraham gives away the best half of the promised land. And if you read on in chapter 14, Abraham risks his life and God's plan because he has to fight a battle to save Lot's life. Lot was not part of plan A. And in chapter 19 of Genesis, we won't go there now for time reasons, but he ends up sleeping with his own daughters and fathers the Moabites and the Ammonites, both nations that became enemies of Israel. Well done, Abraham. God obviously needed your help. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. In the middle of the ordinary, the mundane, the unfair even, right in the middle of life, so often God's defining moments appear, seemingly small and insignificant things that can change the course of our lives, and it's so easy for us to miss them. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called Turning Mistakes into Miracles. It's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to help you grab a hold of God's defining moments in your life. In fact, at the end of each chapter, you'll find a series of life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your copy, stop by at our mobile-friendly website, christianityworks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and I'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at christianityworks.com or toll free on 1-300-722-415. All right, let's dive straight back now into God's Word. Well, who can blame Abraham? He's in his late 70s now, he's on a journey to nowhere, and Sarah's no spring chicken either, I have to tell you. And God gives him this utterly incongruous, impossible promise, and Abraham's aching inside. God, what are you doing? Can you relate to that? <laughs> I can. Let's have a look at the defining moment in Abraham's journey. It begins in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, Lord God... What will you give me, for I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliza, son of Damascus? And Abraham said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but a son coming from your very own body shall be your heir. 
God brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. Then the Lord said to him, So shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. I reckon this is one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. Is Abraham a man of faith? Absolutely. But he's struggling. He's tried everything he can do in his own strength, and he can't make this promise from God happen. And time is marching on. So through his doubt, he ends up with plan C or D or whatever he's up to. How does God respond? With rebuke, with punishment, with discipline? God brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. Then God said, So shall your descendants be. Isn't it beautiful? You know, the Milky Way, when you get away from the smog and the, and the lights of the city, is just the most awesome thing. There are so many stars up there. It almost looks like, like clouds. Trillions of stars. This is the love of God. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Abraham's faith meant that God's righteousness became part of who he was. It's a theme the Apostle Paul picks up in Romans chapter 4 and Galatians chapter 3 in the New Testament much later. See, I struggle with the rose-coloured glasses that Paul and others in the New Testament use to look back on Abraham. They paint him as this paragon of virtue, this great man of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father. That's great. But what about all of Abraham's blunders? What about his lack of faith? He goes to God and says, God, what do you give me? What are you showing me? I can't see it. I'm, I'm losing hope. See, Abraham was human. Abraham had human failures and he made mistakes just like you and me. But the answer is in what we just read in Genesis. How is it that despite all of Abraham's blunders and doubts, God's plan still came to fruition because Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed. He didn't do it perfectly, but he believed and this was counted by God as righteousness. The righteousness of God, when we believe, he forgives our sins. He forgets them. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You see, that's why in the New Testament, it doesn't talk about Abraham's mistakes. Because God's forgiven them. They're not relevant. That's how God deals with Abraham's human failings. This is the defining moment in Abraham's journey. He believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. This, this night that was like any other, he was in his tent, he was struggling, he was praying, he was saying, God, what are you doing? And God just touches him and brings him outside and says, look up at the stars. As many as are there, so numerous will be your descendants. It's not about what Abraham did or didn't do. The defining moment is about God's grace. And come and look with me exactly how imperfectly Abraham believed. Come and see with me how human and frail his faith actually is. He is credited with righteousness. God speaks to him. And right on the back of that, just two verses later, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 8, begins this. 
But he said, Oh Lord, God, how am I to know I shall possess it? And God said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. He brought God all those things and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain, that your offspring shall be aliens in a land that is not theirs, and they shall be slaves there, and they shall be oppressed there for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you yourself, you shall go with your ancestors in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark and a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, listen to this, on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates and the land of the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaim and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. See, in the face of of further doubt from Abraham, God gives him this vision and he makes an unbreakable promise, a covenant, a promise from God himself to Abraham. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the fresh devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. So go ahead, sign up to receive fresh And may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. All right, let's get back to it to see what else God's word has to say. Just as well, this covenant from God was an unbreakable promise. Because what happens next after the stars thing and and the vision and the promise would have been the final straw for me if I'd been God. Have a look at the next chapter, Genesis chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Have a go at this. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, bore him no children. She had an Egyptian slave girl whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, You see the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my slave girl. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of his wife Sarai. So after Abraham had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her slave girl, and gave her to her husband, Abraham, as a wife. He went into Hagar and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. 
Then Sarai said to Abraham, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my slave girl to you to embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Okay. Men had more than one wife in those days, but people haven't changed that much. Wives, how happy would you be with this outcome? Your, your husband sleeping with a slave girl, and then all of a sudden the slave girl's pregnant. You see how perverted this is? And the son that Hagar bore was Ishmael, and he became the father of the Arab world. Gee, that worked out brilliantly, didn't it? And so Abraham, left to his own devices, would have lurched from one blunder to the next. But now the bit that really gets me about this story is the ending. Both Abraham and Sarah get to the point, I mean, this has been going on for years now, decades, where they just end up laughing at God's promises. I mean, they're so ridiculous, they're so impossible. Have a look, Abraham first in Genesis chapter 17, verse 15. God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai anymore, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will give rise to nations, Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a man who's a hundred years old? Can Sarah, who's ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live in your sight. And God said, No, but your wife Sarah shall bear you a son, and you shall name him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. And then, Sarah's turn next, God appears to Abraham in the form of three men. And those men said to him, where's your wife, Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind them. Now, Abraham and Sarah, they were old and advanced in age, and it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself. After I've grown old and my husband is old, shall I have the pleasure... See, can you blame Abraham and Sarah for laughing at God? I mean, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. It's been 25 years. They headed away on this fool's errand into the blue yonder. Um, Abraham's over 100. Sarah's over 90. Come on, God. What do you think you're doing? But let's see how it ends. Genesis chapter 21. The Lord dealt with Sarah just as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah had born. Do you know what the word Isaac means? It means he laughs. See, God had the last laugh. They, they both laughed at God's promises, and God gives them a son called Isaac, and God has the last laugh. It's a laughter of God's grace. And when you look back on this journey, what was the defining moment? See, what you and I want to look at is say, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to do to get God's favour? Isn't that what we're always thinking? And you look at all of Abraham's blunders. And you think all the mistakes he made, but in his heart he believed, and it was reckoned unto him by God as righteousness. His faith trumped his failures. Let me say that again. Abraham's faith trumped his failures. People came to Jesus years later and they said, what must we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. Do you get it? The defining moment for Abraham 
was God's gracious, loving, powerful, impossible, unbreakable, ridiculous, only God could ever do it, take it forever, promise. And in his heart, Abraham believed. That's the bit that God saw and took and used and blessed Abraham through. That's why the New Testament writers can completely ignore the failures of Abraham because God, God had forgotten them a long time ago. God had decided to overlook them a long time ago. Abraham was not a perfect man. Abraham was human just like you and me. You make blunders in your life. I make blunders in my life. What does God look at? He looks at whether we put our trust in him through Jesus Christ. God not only forgave Abraham and Sarah, but he cleaned up their mess along the way so that his plan would be fulfilled and realized for his glory. Look again at the defining moment in Abraham's life. Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. God brought Abraham outside and said, Look up toward the heaven. Count the stars if you're able to count them. Then God said to him, So shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed the Lord. And the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. What do I have to do to do the works of God? To believe in the one whom he sent, his son, Jesus Christ. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to live their lives in a real, rich, dynamic and powerful relationship with Jesus. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can grow to reach over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Hey, that's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.